Hello out there on the internet, I'm Matthew Galt, this is Cyber, Gus the Cat is standing by trying to put his head through my ring light, so if you see some strange shadows on stream, that's what that's about. But we're here today to talk about Elon Musk. Elon Musk's attempts to buy Twitter have sent ripples through the social media platform. There is a story here about panic, the limited reach of social media, and the increasingly fuzzy nature of the private public space, but I think all of that is surface-level analysis. For me... The more interesting stories about corporate machinations that are just underneath the surface. You see, Musk is the richest man not because he invented anything wonderful or world-changing. No, he's rich because he's very, very good at making money. He's a businessman first and foremost. And through that lens, the story of the Twitter acquisition becomes one of shitposts and SEC filings, a bizarre fight between tech titans, a rehashing of old corporate techniques like poison pills and hostile takeovers. And that is what we're going to talk about today. With me to do that is Motherboard Features writer and editor Maxwell Strawn. He's been following the story closely and has written many fine long-form pieces on the subject. Maxwell, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Okay, so first things first, because I feel like this is changing almost every hour. Is he buying Twitter? Like, what is this actually going to happen? What's the deal? Yeah, I mean, uh, I guess with Musk and this entire situation, who knows what will happen? Something could happen during this uh, uh, over the next hour that could change things. But as of now, there's an agreement in place. And I would suspect some people are doubtful, but I'd suspect it will go through uh, for him to buy the company for $44 billion valuation and take it private. Why? Why do this? Um, uh, As with all stuff related to Musk, I think everyone has an opinion on why and no one really knows for sure. Uh, There's definitely a lot of theories. Um, You can assume that he probably wants to at least uh, make a little bit of money on it. Um, I think, you know, he obviously really likes Twitter. He likes tweeting. And I think uh, owning the company outright uh, will give him a lot of control over a platform that he probably benefits from and his companies benefit from in some form. Uh, You know, he says that he wants to save the platform and make various changes. And uh, yeah, but I mean, to think about what he says, I mean, he says it's not an economic issue. He says he's a free speech absolutist and wants to basically bring... Uh, the Twitter sphere under those uh, political ideals that he has. So, I mean, if you're taking Meta's word, then that's what he wants to do. He wants to make it somewhere where people are more free to speak their mind and there's less content moderation overall. Do you buy that? Do you think, uh, sorry, yeah. just, do you buy it? No. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that he seems passionate about wanting to make, um, Twitter, a space where, uh, you know, that's more likely to suspend people than ban them. I believe that, um, I believe that he, 
uh, wants to make it as more of a place that anyone can say anything without being fearful about getting their account taken away. Um, yeah, I think that he's probably passionate about that. Um, with Musk, I mean, I think the question always is, is uh, whether it's as little to do with the financials as he says. Like, I think there's a pretty valid theory out there that he thinks that he could probably take Twitter, which is, I think, inarguably a pretty influential platform that hasn't been particularly well monetized uh, and find some way to create a better business model of it. I mean, obviously, a lot of people have tried, uh, and it is what it is. It's still a decently big business. I mean, he did buy it for $44 billion or plans to, but it's nothing compared to Facebook. So I think there's like some potential that, or you could at least see potential to take this thing that kind of drives international conversation every day and make it more valuable. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. There's like a whole universe of people that spend, it seems like every day thinking about what is Musk really thinking? What's the secret plan here? And uh, I try not to be one of those people and just, you know, look at, you know, what he said and, you know, that, you know, he, he has given us a lot of evidence of where his passions lie. Like he's already criticizing Twitter employees. He's already showing, you know, kind of showing his hand in terms of what changes he plans to make if the deal is finalized. Can I get you to react? I'm going to pull up and I'm going to commit a sin on this show and pull up an article that is not from uh, the Saint and Motherboard. Uh, it's from Reuters opinion from yesterday. This was kind of the last thing I saw on this. I'm sure you read it. Um, Elon Musk probably won't buy Twitter in their breaking views section. Uh, speaking of reading the Elon tea leaves, what did you make of this? Yeah, I mean, uh, the article kind of breaks down the view that I don't have uh, personally, uh, but it does persuasively kind of argue that, that that Elon has a sort of what seems from the outside erratic history. It makes reference to, you know, how he once wanted to buy a, set up a peanut brittle company to take on one of Warren Buffett's companies, and he changed his mind there. Uh, it also points out that, you know, Tesla stock has fallen a lot. Since uh, this deal, or since all of this business started this month, and obviously that's where a lot of his passion lies. That's a lot, and more importantly, that's where a lot of his uh, net worth is. And so, you know, if the stock keeps tanking, there's an argument that you know he might pull out. No, I mean Twitter's already, you know, instituted with their deal some rules that he would have to pay a bunch of money. I think it's like a billion bucks if he does back out, but you know, the argument is if Tesla keeps sliding, maybe he would decide it's not worth it. Um, but I don't know. I think he's worth, you know, $250 billion. I wouldn't be surprised, uh, if he, if he moves forward, he seems exceedingly passionate about it. At least right now, I would expect it, you know, for all the good and logical arguments for why it might not make sense. Uh, sometimes, us seems to act on his uh, gut instinct more than anything else. Some people would disagree with it, but that's what it seems like to me. So one of the, this, this kind of gets into one of the interesting features of this um, talking about the sliding Tesla stock and how he lives in a world where everything he, uh, he does affects someone's money um, in the 44 billion he doesn't just have that 
in liquid that he's going to put up, right? Like there's there's a process he has to go through to acquire that money to to make that purchase, correct? Yeah, I mean, I don't think many people at his wealth level or many people that are even just billionaires uh, have that much liquidity or money, cash lying around. That's not really, you know, that's not really the smartest financial strategy if you have 44 billion bucks to just have them sitting there, you know, it would lose money uh, or lose value every year. So, I mean, a lot of his money is tied up in Tesla's stock um, and uh, other things that can essentially grow in value in the future, maybe some Doge. Uh, but yeah, so, I mean, it's fairly typical, I think, that, you know, with a deal of this size, especially since he's buying it all right, outright, that he would, you know, find other ways to finance the deal. Um, that's what rich people are really good at. They're really good at not using their actual money and actual actual assets to um, make these big purchases. So, yeah, I think he got some money, you know. 13 billion or something for Morgan Stanley and other banks. Um, I think he got loans against some of his Tesla stock to cover some of it. And then some of it is like kind of mysterious equity stuff that, you know, he didn't disclose in the SEC filings uh, with much specificity. So, yeah, I mean, he didn't have the money. I mean, you know, he's not using his own money uh, to buy Tesla outright, but that's uh, what the really wealthy have always been really good at. I mean, uh, he's not the first one to do something like that. Can we get into a little bit uh, about what the consequences of him making this purchase have been? And again, I'm, I'm not talking about like people being mad at him online. I mean, what have been the real financial consequences of this? Um, we've talked a little bit about Tesla stock sliding. Like how does uh, is someone who's pretty ignorant of like how business stuff works, why does something like that happen? Um, I think it slipped because uh, the idea was is that you know he's an enormous shareholder in Tesla, and so um, him using that money uh, to uh, invest somewhere else, you know, might uh, um, cause a sell-off. Um, I think also, you know, like with Musk, I think it's kind of difficult to to say uh, pinpoint one reason that a share price rises or falls. But um, another potential argument would be, you know, if Tesla CEO is spending so much of his time thinking about Twitter, uh, could that affect uh, Tesla over time? Um, but you know, I, I don't know. Um, I think. Essentially, there's no matter you know who you are. There's only 24 hours in your day. He's already the CEO of Tesla. He's already the CEO of SpaceX. Um, now he's going to be in charge of this. Um, that's eight hours a day each, uh, as far as I understand it. So, yeah, um, there's a, there's a million different reasons. But I, th I think the thing to sort of think about is that uh, he has a concern about. Tesla's share price dropping, and I think that should remain, uh, it will remain top of mind to him. I mean, like I said, two-thirds, I think, of his wealth is tied up in Tesla stock, and uh, so he obviously has a financial interest when it drops. And so, like with that Reuters story, you know, when Tesla drops, 
maybe he'll be more likely to say, you know, this isn't worth the risk. This isn't worth, uh, you know, this is a pretty expensive passion project. So I don't know. Uh, it's hard to, it's hard to say, but those are some of the things that come to mind. Sorry, I was muted there for a second, everybody. Let's back up a minute. Um, cause you've been, you've been writing about this for a while, right? Uh, let's get kind of a timeline of events going. We've got the, one of your articles up here, Twitter loses Elon Musk, the board member regains Elon Musk, the shit poster. And I thought this was really interesting, but let's back way up. What is the timeline of events here? When does he say, Hey, I've decided to buy, I've decided I want to get more involved in Twitter and what are his early actions? Yeah. So I think he decided that he wanted to buy Twitter outright. Uh, mid-April. I think it's all taken place over the course of April, maybe a couple days in March if I'm forgetting. But essentially the course of events was that he um, announced that he had bought 9.2% of of, uh, Twitter's stock um, sometime in early April, I believe. Um, That's a lot of stock for one person to own. Um, Gives him all sorts of influence in the organization, theoretically. So Twitter came back and said that they would give him a board seat. So they said, you know, you're an important part of our company now. Uh, We'd like to offer you the influence in the form of a board seat. And at first he accepted that and seemed like he would just be kind of a nuisance in a sort of succession type way in the boardroom. Uh, And then he rejected it. And the question was why? I think it's pretty clear in that case why he did that. For one, he would have... Uh, not been allowed for at least two years to buy up more than 15% uh, of Twitter's uh, overall stock out there. Um, So that would have uh, kind of disallowed him from buying the company outright as he's done since then. Uh, It would have asked him since Twitter, it also would have asked him since Twitter's a publicly owned company uh, to act in the best interest of shareholders. So as a famous shit poster who has uh, had a lot of fun even this week uh, criticizing the company, criticizing his employees, uh, it's pretty hard to argue, um, or at least it is an argument, <laughs> that uh, it would benefit the company if he was constantly saying this company sucks, their policies suck, um, you know, they can do better, blah, blah, blah. So I guess probably there's a cynical argument that maybe he could say, like, uh, I'm actually trying to make the company better and more profitable by fixing its problems, but at a minimum, it would have been pr- become pretty uh, thorny for him, and he already has a bunch of SEC issues related to that. So, um, yeah, so th- those were the two things that kind of stopped him from taking the board seat. Um, that was dramatic in and of itself, and then he made that, I think it was a $46 billion offer. The first... Twitter said that uh, they wouldn't take it, uh, and then eventually they opted to. Do you think that the board seat offer was them trying to neutralize him or put constraints on him in a way? Yeah, I definitely think that Twitter, uh, I think I described it as a war in one of my pieces. Um, It really seemed like they were trying to counter him. they offered that board seat with all of those limitations. Uh, they also offered a poison pill, or they created a poison pill to try and make it harder for him to uh, do what he's done since then. Um, I think that the 
company wanted to reject his bid. Um, but, you know, it's tough to be a public company. You have all these rules about acting in the company's best interest. And so if someone brings a really good offer to the table, you have a fiduciary duty to um, consider it. And my guess is that they sort of reluctantly decided that uh, this was the best course of action for the shareholders. Um, you know, and everyone is going to make a lot of money from it. So or at least the people that have a lot of equity, um, I don't know, you know, a lot of Twitter's own employees are probably, and I, and I know are uh, pretty miserable about the whole situation. So it's a different story for them. Can you explain? I remember seeing this. I felt like it was everywhere for a couple days. What is a poison pill exactly? What does that mean? Yeah, it's a uh, it's called a shareholders' rights plan. It was like it's uh, you know in the 1980s there were a lot of uh, hostile take hostile takeovers, kind of similar to what you've seen with Musk uh, and Twitter right now. Um, and so this lawyer came up with this idea of the poison plan, which was the shareholder rights plan, which is a kind of complicated. I guess uh, the simplest way to think about it is that it allows um, current shareholders to buy more stock if someone tries to buy the co- take over the company, and it dilutes it and uh, dilutes uh, ownership, his ownership interest or her ownership interest, and makes it harder. Um, it's been effective in the past. Um, obviously, it was not effective here, uh, and it's not effective all the time. So, you know that. But it was at a minimum proof that Twitter was doing everything they could to stop this, and I think to show that they didn't want this. So, something else we we've kind of lit on a little bit here is his obsession with free speech and like making sure that Twitter's a free speech space. I think that is really interesting angle, not just because not just because of like all the conversation that happens on Twitter and this discussion about like, you know, is he going to allow more harassment and like that kind of thing, but also because of the nature of who he is and the power that he has and the money that he has, there are, I wouldn't say that his speech is restricted, uh, but that there are a lot of consequences to his speech Right. And he's, he's been repeatedly gotten in trouble through the SEC, usually, um, for the things that he says. Can you talk about that a little bit and like what makes his speech um, more consequential, I guess, than someone who, who is not in his position? Like what kind of restrictions does the SEC have on someone like him? Yeah. So, I mean, uh, there's a lot of things that must Skill, still can uh, tweet about like yesterday I think he tweeted that he wanted to uh, jokingly tweeted that he wanted to add cocaine to uh, Coca-Cola or back into Coca-Cola um, so which is I think an unusual thing for uh, the head of a publicly traded company uh, to tweet but um, yeah I mean the rules, I guess the way to think about it is that the rules for public companies, companies that trade on Wall Street, um, are pretty strict. Um, and the com- and the rules that govern uh, private companies, uh, which are, you know, startups, uh, I'm trying to think, well, now Twitter will be a private company. It's way less strict. So, 
Tesla is a publicly traded company, and he has to be extremely careful uh, with what he tweets about them, and he can't just say things that aren't true. There's a slew of rules uh, that are there for good reason uh, to sort of make sure that when people are tweeting things, they say true things. Um, he got in trouble, I think, in 2018 for saying that he was going to take the or had the funding to take the company private. Uh, he didn't. Uh, or at least it definitely seems like he did it. And the SEC consequently created all these rules um, that he had to clear all of his tweets about Tesla with the company's lawyer uh, before they went through. Um, and he hates that, you know, uh, he hates the SEC. He calls them all sorts of things. Um, so yeah, he's really restricted on what he can say about Tesla. Supposedly, the deal that he has with Twitter makes him restricted on what he can say about them. Um, I think that the rule is that he can't disparage the company or any of its representatives for now. But like with Musk, all, a lot of things with Musk, he has already kind of he's spent the week kind of criticizing Twitter employees and criticizing the policies and disparaging the people uh, at the company. So. I don't know how much does he adhere to the rules. I don't really know. So, but yeah, I mean, technically he, 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 I think with Tesla, he is pretty careful in particular with Twitter so far. It seems like, uh, he's mostly prioritized on trolling the company. Oh, I think you're muted. Thank you. This cat today, I don't know, I don't know what his deal is. All right, we're going to take a we're going to pause there briefly for a break. If you are watching the Twitch stream, we will be back immediately. If you're listening to the podcast, please listen to these fine messages and we will be right back. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. All right, cyber listeners, you are back on with Matthew when we are talking to Maxwell uh, about Elon Musk. And someone in chat says his deal is that he's a cat. Gus the cat is screwing up my soundboard today. Thank you all for bearing with me. But hey, at least there's no Discord and Slack notifications coming through. We took care of that problem for you. You're welcome. Um, so we were just talking about... Uh, how Elon Musk's shit posts can kind of move mountains and, and make and lose people lots of money. Uh, which brings me to kind of this thing that Mark Cuban said that you talk about in one of your articles, the one about uh, Elon Musk and Twitter being at war. Uh, my conclusion at Elon Musk is fucking with the SEC. His filings with the SEC allows him to say he wants to take a company private for $54.20 versus him and considering pay taking Tesla private at 420 funding secured price go up. His shares get sold profit SEC. Like what the fuck just happened? Do you think that Elon Musk is manipulate? I, I know, I guess I should be careful because uh, I'm not alleging anything, 
But does it look like Musk is maybe trolling for the purposes of manipulating share prices? Allegedly. Uh, Yeah, I mean, like I said before, people are always trying to interpret what Musk is doing and think that there's some devious secret plan that's so much smarter than what everything is, everyone has thought, um, thought themselves. Um, I don't know. There's definitely a cult of personality with Elon. That's not breaking news to anyone uh, that's listening or watching to this. Um, he is not just a CEO. He is uh, he is one of the most famous people in the world. He has a sort of almost Trump-like cult of personality around him. And he's wielded that to his advantage. I mean, is Elon like the best businessman ever? I don't know, but he is definitely one of the best people uh, of this of his lifetime at raising money. Um, and he is really good at manipulating public sentiment to uh, increase the share price of Tesla uh, and raise funding rounds for SpaceX. So, uh, does he have some like master plan? I don't know. Maybe. Uh, but what I can say more confidently is that he is, he, that his tweets have benefited him, uh, and benefited his companies, uh, repeatedly in the past. And so, yeah, I mean, he definitely has, uh, let's just say like if, if Musk were to get off Twitter, that would be a net negative for him. Uh, that would be a net negative for Tesla's, uh, Share price, I think. Um, he is really good at manipulating public sentiment to his advantage for the most part. And so I don't know if this falls into that, but it's not surprising that Cuban and other people would think that considering uh, he's like a master manipulator of people um, and people really believe in him. Um, lots of people really hate him, but a lot of people really believe in him and sit on his every word. Um, you know, he's kind of like the private market version of when uh, the chairman of the Federal Reserve some, says something. Everyone listens to everything he says, it seems like. And so, yeah, I mean, maybe as a master plan, but at a minimum, uh, he knows how to yeah, he knows how to use people's emotions to his advantage. All right. Where do things stand now? Like when... When is Musk going to be calling the shots? Do we have any idea where the deal is at this point? Uh, it's kind of in that like limbo period. Um, the typical legal stuff. I think that the deal will be finalized if Musk wants it to be. I think that's basically where we're at. Um, uh, I would suspect that we, I, if I had to guess, I would think a lot of Twitter employees are uh, submitting a lot of job applications right now. It seems like they're uh, pretty unhappy with uh, where they're at. Um, and I think that they can justifiably uh, have a lot of concern that at least the workplace as they know it um, will probably be really altered. I mean, consider if you have like a content moderation job at Twitter um, and your your job is to make the platform feel safer uh, make the people feel like um, they're not going to get harassed. It's pretty clear that that Musk wants Twitter to be a different way. He wants it to be more of a free-for-all. And, um, you know, those people uh, justifiably, I think, have a lot of concern right now. But yeah, I mean, I personally think it's in Musk's hands. Like, if he wants to bow out and pay the big 
think billion dollars that it will cost him at this point. Um, sure. But I would think it's much more likely that, you know, they're just going through all the paperwork and that at some point he's going to be heading things up there. I just feel like this bird is going to end up being an albatross for him. Um, you know, how, how do you mean? Like, it just seems like it's going to, it's going to cost a significant amount of money. I don't know how he monetizes it in a way that makes it financially uh, sound. Right. Um, I just, and I feel like that's something that we're seeing happen across a lot of different uh, businesses that have become extremely popular in the last 10, 20 years that there was, there were a lot of plans uh, to be profitable eventually and valuation was kind of based on eventually and dreams. And I just, I don't know. I don't see him taking a microblogging platform and making it profitable and making it work for him in a way that makes it not worth the hassle. Right. Cause I think this is one of those things where you, you think that you can, you, you can, you can kind of bend these platforms to your will, but you get in there and, there's only so much you can do to stem the tide of like the direction the platform takes you in. There's a lot of, there's millions of people on that, on that platform. Right. Um, and if he has his way, there'll be, yeah, a, I think it's a complicated. No, sorry. Go ahead. Interrupt me, please. I'm rambling. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think it's a complicated equation. I Musk is definitely a smart guy. Um, but there's a lot of other smart people that have thought about how uh, Twitter could be better monetized. Um, yeah, I mean, he wants to do so many things, and sometimes they stand in contradiction with themselves. Uh, he wants to make Twitter open source, uh, but he also wants to get rid of bots. That Both of those things can't be done at the same time, uh, at least with any ease. Um you know, I, he wants to add subscription models, uh, but, you know, that would require an, a huge number of people to agree to suddenly start paying for Twitter. Um, and, you know, whether that would work is anyone's guess. I think there's a reason they've tried to stick with ads. And if they stick with ads and not doing content ma- moderation makes the platform less appealing to advertisers. So, Right now, I think, I mean, understandably, when a new C, uh, I guess a new owner comes in, they want to throw stuff against the wall. And some of his plans uh, or ideas, I think, have been pretty good. He talked about making DMs encrypted. I think that's, like, not a bad idea. That's yeah, a no-brainer, uh, so, I think. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think he's probably at the kind of throwing things against the wall phase and just seeing uh, what kind of sticks. Um but yeah, I mean, I think this question of whether he wants to make this a bigger business than it is right now is really going to, in a lot of ways, uh, end up being in contradiction with these sort of political aims that he has. Uh, so, because I mean, like, Truth Social has not become the booming business that uh, certain people expect it to be. Um, and, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I just think it's, there's a, there's a lot up in the air. So we'll see. Yeah, we'll see, and I'm sure that you will be tracking it all. Wow, that's way too loud. And we'll come back on Cyber and walk us through all of it as uh, it unfolds. Maxwell, thank you so much for coming onto the show and walking us through this. Um, if you guys caught the back half of the Twitch stream, it will be live as a podcast here very shortly. 
and we'll stick around as a video for about two weeks. We'll be back next week with some more stories about some stuff stuff that's going on on the internet. Lorenzo will be back next week. Uh, we've got a great Facebook leak story that he's going to come and talk to us about. Yes, there was a dog in the background. We'll talk to you soon. Bye, everybody. Thanks so much. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.